Amen. All right, if you guys would, give it up for Andrea Williams. Well, thank you. I, I'm just beyond honored to have this opportunity and this privilege to share with you what I've learned through this chapter. And I thank you, Pastor Mike, for being so gracious and allowing it. And I would just also like to say thank you to the, the worship ministry because they really, I mean, I don't know how you didn't, I was so connected to the Spirit of the Lord during that time where we were just proclaiming Yahshua. I, I, I just, the, the fact that you bring us into a time of worship, that you get ourselves anointed and ready, is just such a gift. Thank you. Uh, before we start, I would like to just uh, pray over our message. So, Father God, thank you for this opportunity that we all get to come together to hear what you would have to say to us. Father, as I've prayed all the last two days, I pray that you would just get me out of the way and that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. So we're going to continue now in our series called Blessed and Bruised. And we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to see today how God allows hardships in our lives, challenges. And the purpose is to increase our faith so his glory may shine through us. So let's start in verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And so this chapter starts with therefore. And I knew a, pre, a pastor who used to say, when that happens, you have to ask yourself, what's therefore, therefore? So if we go back into chapter 3, we can see that we are talking about the glory of God that comes through the Spirit of the Lord. Paul also recognizes his precious ministry, which he holds so close and takes so seriously, is given by the mercy of God. Now, the definition of mercy is withholding deserved punishment. So let's remember who Paul was. If anybody deserved punishment, it was Paul, because he was running around the region prior with his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was terrorizing Christians. It was his goal to kill Christians. But now God has given him this ministry, and he recognizes that's, his, that's God's mercy on him, and he is grateful. He also starts the chapter by saying, do not lose hope. Do not give up. He encourages us because the spirit of Christ that is in me is the same spirit of Christ that is in you and all brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a joy that is. You know, it's not something you can just turn on and off. It's not like putting a jacket on and taking a jacket off. I feel like a, I'm going to have Christ's spirit in me today. Um, no, I'm not today. It's in us. It lives in us. So going on to verse 2. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You know, Paul is committed to preaching the word of God. He is not going to tamper with it. He takes it seriously. This is not a show. This is not a performance for Paul. He is laser-focused on Jesus and Jesus only. He also um, 
his message is devoid of deceitfulness or craftiness. And how I interpreted that is that um, he sometimes, maybe some of us, allow our worldview to affect how we understand the word of God. So sometimes maybe we kind of pick and choose what biblical truths we're going to stand on, depending on how convenient or inconvenient it makes our lives. So, but Paul is beyond, above reproach in the eyes of man. He is not going to do that. He is not tampering with God's word. Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So what is keeping people from seeing the light of Christ? Well, the God of this world, who we know as Satan. And he is keeping a veil over the eyes of unbelievers. So a few weeks ago, when we were in chapter 3, Tony kind of talked about that veil. And he said that the, he looked through scripture in numerous areas. And the veil actually represented any separation from the glory of God. So our sin. And the only thing that can tear that veil or take that veil down so that we may see the truth is Christ. So in some versions, um, the word veiled is blinded. Um, there's a lot of reference to blind and being blind. So I think that's really interesting because Paul, during his conversion story, during his conversion, was blinded. So what is so cool, though, is that Paul knows both physically what it's like to see and to be blind. He also knows what it is like to not be in God's presence, to not know God's glory, and he knows what it's like to know God's glory. So I think it's so appropriate that we see that in this, um, in this passage. And hey, can't we, we kind of can relate, right? So when we finally see Christ's love, when we know God's goodness, when the veil has come off and we see God's glory, don't we want to, like, tell our friends and family? We want to go out. We want everybody to know. Sometimes we're just going to go tell it on the mountain. Well, um, we want everyone to have a relationship with Christ because we want them to see as well. Also, in this verse, Paul goes on to stress he is not elevating himself or his ministry. He is a servant of Christ at all costs. And we're going to see a little bit more about that in a moment. Verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's not real hard to look around and know that we live in a fallen world, right? We all know that. We've lived in a fallen world, and sometimes it can seem like um, we're surrounded by darkness. Paul reminds us here of God saying, 
in Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and it was. And the reason is because God, our Father, the creator of the world, is the source of all light, literal and figurative. There is no light, there is no darkness that can blot out his light. That's encouraging, right? It doesn't matter how bad things get. You can't be God. The victory is won. And one of the most, one of Dr. Martin Luther King's many famous uh, phrases and um, sayings is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness. Only Lord, only Christ's spirit, that's it. Not me. I can't do it by myself. But Christ can. Moving on to verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. So Paul's reminding us of uh, a story in Jeremiah 18. So Jeremiah was a little frustrated. He, he really wanted to hear from the Lord. And the Lord said, go to the potter's house. I'll give you a word there. So, of course, Jeremiah did what he was told. He went to the potter's house, and as he was watching the potter, he saw the potter take a marred piece of clay and turn it into a vessel. And at that moment, he heard the Lord say, You, Israel, I have you in my hands. So God is the potter and the creator of all things. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. So despite our sinfulness, God can make something beautiful out of a mistake or brokenness. And like the potter in Jeremiah, he can reform us for his purpose. That's encouraging. I mean, just like Paul, he really messed up before he saw the light, the light of Christ, right? But God had a purpose for him, and he reformed him and gave him a new mission. Um, if we could just see, uh, I have a slide of jars of clay. So I think these are beautiful. As an artist, I just, I, I enjoy pottery and uh, the one thing I, I noticed is, and you might not be able to see it as well from where you're sitting, but not only do all of the vessels uh, have different shapes, um, they likely have different purposes. And also, you can't tell, but uh, they're not perfect. They're rough. And in fact, um, when you Google jars of clay, often a lot of the images you come up with are broken jars of clay. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So when a potter makes an object out of clay, he may even have a design and a purpose and a plan. But because it's organic material, it will be unique. So he can make a whole six cups, but every cup is going to have, it's similar, but maybe slightly different. And that's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Because I don't want to I, I be the same as everybody. How boring would that be? Well, during biblical times, jars of clay were commonplace. 
They were everywhere. They were in everyone's home. And I kind of um, likened them to my everyday dishes. And I don't know about you, because you may not have boys, but my everyday dishes are chipped and cracked. There's pieces are missing. How do I only have three bowls? What happened to them? I don't know. They broke. I, I don't know. Now, that's very different from my beautiful fine china that I got at my wedding and a uh, shower. That is so gorgeous. It's so pretty. It's so delicate. But you know what? It sits in my hutch, and I walk by it, and I go, that's so pretty. But I don't use it. So there's a purpose for that fine china, but I'm not using it because it's too delicate. My boys are going to wreck it. So... I'm just like, that's for a fancy occasion to just Tony and I or something. I don't know when I'm ever going to use it. But it is really beautiful. But it just sits there being pretty. So I did a little research, and I found out that during biblical times as well, there was bronze, there was gold, there was even glass making. That was kind of a surprise to me. Um, but those were precious, right? So those are taking raw materials and creating something, a vessel. Well... Clay was really easy to get. Um, it wasn't that hard to make, and it probably wasn't very expensive. But all that those other precious things were. So then you, you question, we go back to where it says, uh, we have a treasure in jars of clay. Well, why, why did God put his treasure in something so common, so rough, so easily broken? Why didn't he put it in glass or gold? And, and you question yourself, and, and this is what I found out. The answer is perfect vessels, beautiful vessels, my pretty china is just sitting there, brings glory to themselves. However, common vessels that break easily bring profound glory to God. That's who we are, right? We are the vessels. And we're going to see an illustration in a moment how that we bring glory to God through our brokenness. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death, the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always given, being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work, but life in you. So I love that part. I love the part where we're, we're comparing the hardships with the victory. You know, it reminds me of a coach, right? Like at halftime. I watched my husband yesterday try to get this team going. Uh, but, you know... We're not down, so we're down, okay? But we, we're, not, we're not done, you know? I love that. I think it's the fighter in me. I just appreciate the challenge and then the victory, celebrating the victory. But where does our victory come from? From the cross. Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He showed that eternal life over death. And we have that hope and promise and Paul's reminding us to hold it close. So the Lord is not the author of our hardships, but he does allow them. And I think of Job. Uh, we just finished um, 
my, I just went through the book of Job. Oh, it's a rough one. It's so, like, oh, I, it's hard for me to get through Job. Um, but he was a righteous man, right? Even his wife and friends were encouraging him to curse the Lord, but he didn't. What he did was he leaned in. He leaned into God, and God showed up. It begs the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And I am no theologian, but the one thing I just keep, I, I can't help but keep seeing here is that through our brokenness, when we lean in, when we lean into God, he builds increase in our faith, and he shines through our brokenness. So I want to show you a, another picture of a broken jar uh, clay. Oh, so I don't know if you can see it. Okay, and also, by the way, people like Terry, you may have already known this, but this was news to me. When you have a broken jar of clay and you put a light in it, it shines far more brightly than if you just had a regular jar of clay fully formed with a candle just coming up through the top. I never saw that before. I, I was like, wow, that's so cool. So I hope that you can see that if we are jars of clay and we have the spirit in us, that through our brokenness, we can shine brighter and for other people to see. It's very exciting to me. Going on to verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So guess what? We have the authority of Christ in us. I mean, we should be excited about that, that we have that gift. But now we have a responsibility here, and the responsibility is to go tell people. I remember in November, the entire month of November, we specifically uh, presented testimonies of people in our church. What a gift that was. We heard just last week, uh, two weeks ago, from Paloma. She explained she had a health crisis. And what she did was she leaned into her faith. She stood on the power of prayer. She was healed. Now, Paloma, congratulations. I'm so glad. But I don't think God just did that for you. God did that for all of us to encourage our church community, to encourage whatever doctors and techs may have been working and then came back in four hours and she didn't need surgery. That's true of we heard some um, miracle little baby girls. What a testimony that was, not only for those families, but for everyone who interacted with them and for our church community. So guess what? Whether you're a seasoned Christian or brand new, Y'all have a testimony. You have a testimony of God's goodness, and you have the responsibility to share it. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to reflect 
on God's goodness, to reflect on your testimony, and to share it. Now listen, you don't need to get a sandwich board and go to the street corner and do street evangelism. If you want to, please do it. But what I'm saying is, ask the Lord to bring people into your life that you may share a story. Ask him to open up the door of conversation because you could spark faith in someone else. You could be, your story of God's goodness could be the catalyst for someone else's increase in faith. I know that there have been many times in my life that I've questioned, um, oh, why me? Why did this happen to me? And then it never fails never fails God brings somebody into my life who I can speak Christ in because I've been redeemed. Because I went through a difficult time and I leaned in and I, I came out the other side and now God is bringing somebody to my life and I can say, oh, I've been there. Yep, let's, let's pray about that. Let's talk about that. that must, that's hard. So remember, uh, God's doing a work in you and it's not always just for you to spread, and you need to spread the word. Okay, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And this reminds me also of Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. So I find it ironic, uh, amazing even, that Paul refers to his suffering on earth as light momentary afflictions. I mean, that guy, that's anything but, right? He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was robbed. People spoke horribly about him, slander. And I mean, who survives a stoning and then just goes confidently praising the Lord in jail? You know, that's just amazing to me. Church family, we all have challenges. I know you do. And whether they're illness, financial struggles, maybe personal discord, you know, relationship issues. I know that it doesn't feel like a light affliction. I know. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. I would also just put a little plug in here. This is where gospel-centered community really helps us. So if you're not plugged into a house church, you may want to consider, because when you're around the people of the Lord, we can, all, we can all speak in. We can all share our testimonies. We can support you. So back over here. So I want to encourage you, hang on and lean into the Lord. And it's hard to remember in these times that our struggles are, are temporary, but we have hope because we believe in the eternity with God, in God's glory and his presence. What a joy. What a gift. That is a hope that so many people don't have. So they get stuck in those struggles and they just spiral. Since we have the spirit of the living God in us, 
we too will rise from death into life and into eternity. We will see the victory. I have a little plant picture up. I love that, isn't that cute? So here's the thing. I am an avid gardener. I love gardening. I love the smell of dirt. I love digging. I am not afraid of, uh, I am afraid of snakes. I'm not afraid of worms. I just, I love spring. And the reason I love spring is because that's when we see all these shoots coming up from the ground. And if you get a nice warm day with a little rain, I mean, the next day you could have two inches where you had a little half inch thing, a little sprout starting. And if you came by my garden, you would be like, oh, it's dead. You know why it's not dead? It's dormant. There is life under the surface right now and it's ready to spring forward. And I have faith that my plants are gonna come back. You know why? I have history, I have data, I have experiences. I've seen them come back every year. And in the same way, when I have struggles and I lean in and I ask for help for friends, I ask for prayer, guess what? I have seen God's goodness in my life. I have experience, I have data, I have history. And so where some see death, God sees light and life, and he wants to work in our brokenness. So in closing, I encourage you to look at what God is doing in your brokenness. I challenge you not to ask yourself, why is this happening to me? But instead, ask, what is God doing in me? What is my testimony, and who will God have me share it with? And I just want to remind you, if you are going through a struggle, hang on and lean in. Lean into God. Lean into your Gospel Center community. Because God is not giving up on you. He's doing a work in you. And it is for his glory. Look at Paul, right? God produced something great in Paul. And he is in the process of producing something great in you. So, Father God, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this honor that I had to study your word and then share it. Father, I pray for our church community, whether they're here in person or at home. Father, I pray that you would spark something in their lives, that they may have an increase in their faith, and that you would shine through their brokenness. In Jesus' name, amen.